Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Good morning. Triple threat. Brutal heat tightening its grip from coast to coast. More than 120 million set to swelter today. Severe storms leaving hundreds of thousands without power in the Midwest and bracing for another round. And overnight, Tropical Storm Fred forms near Puerto Rico. Al's got it all covered this morning. Stunning fall. My resignation will be effective in 14 days. Under intense pressure and collapsing support, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announces he will step down in a speech part apology, part defiance that shocked the political world. I truly believe it is politically motivated. Just ahead, the reaction from his accusers. He brought it on himself through his own actions. The legal trouble he still faces and the woman set to replace him as New York's first ever female governor. Southern discomfort, four states reporting the largest spike in daily COVID cases since the pandemic began. Nationwide anger and frustration mounting over mask requirements in schools. I would rather be safe than sorry. And this morning, a new concern, fake vaccination cards, where people are buying them and what's being done to crack down. Breaking overnight, trillion-dollar deal. After months of wrangling, the Senate approves a sweeping plan to repair and replace the nation's roads, rails, bridges, and power grid. This bill shows that we can work together. What it means for you and your state. All that, plus, you cannot hide. A new warning to Prince Andrew from the legal team suing him over alleged sexual abuse. Will he be forced to testify? And it's electric. The throw by Harper is not in time. The play at the plate, delivering what's already being called the coolest slide in baseball history. Today, Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. Smack dab in the middle of the week, Wednesday morning. Hoda's off, Craig. We've got a lot of news to cover, including that stunner here in New York. Yeah, a lot of a lot of folks surprised yesterday. The state is going to have a new governor 13 days from now. That's when Andrew Cuomo will officially step down after that surprise announcement that he will resign amid a barrage of sexual harassment allegations. NBC's Ann Thompson is live with new reaction this morning and a look at what happens next. Meanwhile, several states across the South are reporting an alarming number of of new COVID cases, their most ever in a single day. And that is adding, of course, to the heated debate over whether masks should be required in schools. Carrie Sanders has the very latest. So we're going to start this morning with extreme weather from coast to coast, including 133 million people now under heat advisories this morning, conditions that could cause some severe storms in a number of areas. And overnight, tropical storm Fred forming near Puerto Rico and putting Florida and other parts of the South on alert as we head into this weekend. Al, we said you got a busy one, and you sure do. But let's get to NBC's Kristen Dahlgren first who's in Central Park, which is under a rare excessive heat warning this morning. Kristen, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Savannah. You can probably see behind me as we go through this some New Yorkers getting in their early morning workouts before the heat gets too oppressive. That alert was issued for today and tomorrow. Temperatures could feel as hot as 105 degrees, but it's not just here in the Northeast. This heat expected to stretch across the country. This morning, sweltering conditions threatening millions from coast to coast. This is dangerous heat and humidity. In New York City, a rare excessive heat warning now in effect. The next few days are not just your regular hot August summer day in New York. They will be extremely uh, dangerously hot and people need to take precautions. Boston's acting mayor declaring a heat emergency through the end of the week. Please stay hydrated and drink plenty of fluids, especially water. And it's not just the east. Out west, people from Washington state to northern California are expecting scorching temperatures soaring into the triple digits. Some cities are already dealing with conditions 10 to 20 degrees above average. Cooling centers and misting stations are open in Oregon. The governor there declaring a state of emergency. The dangerous weather also ramping up new concerns for wildfires across western states. California's massive Dixie fire, which has burned hundreds of thousands of acres, has already decimated entire communities, with even more in its path. This, as brutal extreme weather, leaves its mark on the Midwest. Hundreds of thousands without power after storms hit Michigan and Wisconsin. And in rural Illinois, residents picking up the pieces after dangerous tornadoes touched down Monday. It's really scary how, how quick it can happen. Megan Gerwig believes tornado alerts on her phone may have saved her family's lives. We may not have been watching for it and may not have known it was there. And officials want to remind people this heat can be deadly. Uh, stay cool, stay hydrated. And while it's not that hot out here yet, I can tell you it is super humid. I feel like my hair has grown three sizes just while we've been standing out here. Al, Savannah can use that as a new forecasting tool if you yeah. like. <laughs> good, good idea, Kristen. We all have that. It's a little soupy out there. Yeah. For more now on the severe weather, that tropical storm that formed overnight, and the heat that Kristen was just talking about, Mr. Roker? Yeah, guys, we're talking Talking literally coast to coast, we've got a triple threat. We've got, of course, a lot of heat. Temperature's going to be in the triple digits for parts of the Pacific Northwest into Northern California. Then we go into the Mid Plains, into the Northeast, 133 million people. Heat index is up to 110. The hottest days are going to be tomorrow into Thursday, into Friday. Look at these heat indexes. Cincinnati today, 101, 111 in St. Louis and Memphis. Shreveport, 106. D.C., 105. And look at over the next three days. We cool off by Saturday. But in the meantime, temperatures mid to upper 90s, you factor in the humidity, and it's going to feel like triple digits for Charlotte, Cincinnati, Nashville, on into Little Rock, even into New York and Washington, D.C. We will see some cooling, but we also have severe weather today, 27 million people, damaging winds, hail, tornadoes from the upper Midwest into the central Midwest, and then for tomorrow, a severe threat from Burlington, Pittsburgh, on into Kansas City for damaging winds. Fred right now. 115 miles east-southeast of Santa Domingo, 40-mile-per-hour winds, moving north-northwest at 16. The track brings it over Puerto Rico, and then by Saturday into the Gulf. But look at the cone of uncertainty. Miami, Key West, Orlando, Tampa, we are talking about the possibility of an intensification once it gets into the Gulf. Tropical storm watches and warnings. Rainfall amounts upwards of 6 to 8 inches as you get into Puerto Rico. But look at the heavy rain we as we get on into 
Florida and on into parts of southern Georgia. This could be even more as this thing starts to develop and gets into the Gulf. We'll continue to track it. Savannah? All right, Al, we'll check back with you. Another major story this morning, the dramatic fall of one of the country's most prominent politicians, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, announcing he will resign, apologizing to the women he's accused of sexually harassing while again denying any wrongdoing. NBC's Ann Thompson is in Albany for us this morning. And good morning. What's the latest? Good morning, Savannah. Increasingly isolated with the impeachment lawsuits, even potential criminal charges looming, Governor Andrew Cuomo is resigning effective August 24th. It is a stunning downfall for a man who just a year ago was lauded for his leadership during the pandemic, the recipient of an international Emmy and a $5 million book deal, now leaving office in disgrace. To governing. This morning, Andrew Cuomo, New York's politically pugnacious governor, calling it quits after an investigation by the state attorney general documented multiple sexual harassment allegations made by 11 women. Given the circumstances, the best way I can help now is if I step aside. Cuomo apologized to his accusers, but argued his actions were misinterpreted, acknowledging that times had changed. In my mind, I've never crossed the line with anyone. But I didn't realize the extent to which the line has been redrawn. There are generational and cultural shifts that I just didn't fully appreciate. Yet Albany's bare-knuckled brawler admitted no wrongdoing. My instinct is to fight through this controversy because I truly believe it is politically motivated. Cuomo's accusers welcomed his resignation, but they say his other statements fell short. Brittany Camiso, who accused the governor of groping her breast, said it is not enough. He didn't take responsibility. Uh, he didn't really apologize. He almost still had the attitude as though he is the victim. Despite Cuomo's defiant last stand, he faced few options. One Democratic insider telling me everyone the governor respects told him to resign, including President Biden, a longtime friend. I respect the governor's decision. When asked to assess Cuomo's track record as a governor rather than his personal life, the president saying... But he's done a hell of a job. Facing potential civil and criminal actions, Cuomo's attorney building his defense in remarks just before the governor's bombshell announcement. This was not about an independent review. From day one, this was about building a case against Governor Cuomo. The resignation paves the way for Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul to lead New York State. She will become its first female governor. Now, despite the resignation, Cuomo still faces many hurdles, including an uncertain impeachment process. Investigations by five district attorneys into the sexual harassment allegations, a federal investigation into how nursing home deaths were counted, and the attorney general is looking at whether state workers were used to help write that book for which Cuomo got $5 million. Cuomo at this point has not been charged with a crime and he denies any wrongdoing. Savannah. All right, Ann Thompson at the state capitol. Thank you, Ann. We turn now to the new COVID crisis here in the United States that is worsening by the day. Parts of the South 
are experiencing a record surge in cases. The highly contagious Delta variant now tied to 93% of cases nationwide. And with schools reopening, the showdown is intensifying in several states where governors are banning mask mandates. NBC's Kerry Sanders joins us now from one of those battlegrounds, Florida. Kerry, good morning. Well, good morning, Craig. Florida reports just in the last week a 24% increase in the number of kids testing positive for coronavirus. So while nationwide children represent a small portion of the overall COVID cases, the concern, of course, is that they are seeing these increases. And these increases are happening, as you noted, as governors are ordering no mask mandates. It's why some states have decided despite what hospitals are saying, which is they're needed, they're saying there must be a mask mandate and kids must wear them to protect themselves. This morning, the COVID crisis accelerating across the South, Florida, Texas, Missouri, and Arkansas, seeing their largest single-day spike in hospitalizations since the pandemic began. Still, Republican governors in seven states have banned mask mandates. President Biden calling that counterintuitive. Do you have presidential powers to intervene in states like Texas and Florida where they are banning mask mandates? I, I, I don't believe that I do thus far. We're checking that. This as infections continue to grow among kids. In Mississippi, nearly 1,300 students and staff have tested positive for COVID just days into the new school year. Now, some districts are fighting back. In Texas, where the governor banned mask mandates, Dallas schools are requiring them anyway. There are no more beds in Dallas public hospitals for students that may have the, uh, the virus. I would rather be safe than sorry. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis has threatened to cut the salaries of any superintendent or school board member that defies his no mask mandate order. In Collier County, masks in schools are optional. Are you going to wear your mask today? If everyone in my class is wearing a mask, I will wear a mask. But with pediatric cases surging, many of Florida's largest school districts are defying the governor and mandating masks. I think it's a moral obligation. As for vaccines and kids, only a fraction of eligible teens have gotten one. Florida mom Pilar Villaraga planned to get her daughter Sophia vaccinated last week on her 12th birthday. But just days before, Sophia tested positive for COVID. The healthy athlete quickly developing pneumonia and coughing up blood. I thought that I was going to lose her. That was my worst fear, that I didn't know what could happen next. After spending six days in the hospital, Sophia with a message for other teens. If you can get vaccinated, you should, because what I went through, it wasn't fun, and nobody wants to go through that. I mean, Carrie, it's troubling on so many levels. And here's the thing, I mean, with this increase in cases among kids, there's still a lot we do not know about the long-term effects of COVID on children, right? Yeah, in fact, several medical centers are studying what they call long COVID cases in teens. One study showed that in teens, about one in 10 have long-term effects of brain fog, memory loss, and fatigue. And perhaps most troubling is in those numbers there, many of those people had a mild case of COVID and still had those impacts, Greg.
Kerry Sanders force there in Florida. Kerry, thank you. Also this morning, President Biden is hailing the Senate's bipartisan passage of a major part of his agenda, a trillion dollar package to upgrade the nation's infrastructure. So what's in it? NBC's Garrett Hake is on Capitol Hill after a marathon all-nighter voting session in the Senate that went into the wee hours before the August recess. Garrett, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning. Yeah, the Senate finished up their work for the summer just before 6 o'clock this morning after voting on nearly 50 amendments for their next big bill. But it's that massive bipartisan infrastructure bill they passed earlier in the day that will touch the lives of every American. This morning, the biggest infrastructure bill in history is one step closer to becoming law, following a bipartisan Senate vote to overhaul the nation's roads, rails, pipes, and ports. After years and years of infrastructure week, we're on the cusp of an infrastructure decade that I truly believe will transform America. The bill would fund major projects that affect Americans from coast to coast, from pipes in homes and schools to broadband Internet access to transportation. Spending $66 billion on rail, including $30 billion on Amtrak's heavily traveled Northeast Corridor. $110 billion goes to rehabbing roads and bridges like the troubled Brent Spence Bridge spanning the Ohio River into Kentucky. And it spends billions above and below the roads as well. $55 billion on water, including replacing every lead pipe in the nation, and $65 billion each to modernize the nation's power grid and broadband access across the country. This bipartisan deal is going to deliver $1.2 trillion over eight years and create 650,000 new high-skill, high-wage jobs. Moments after passing the infrastructure bill with 69 votes, Democrats introduced their $3.5 trillion budget bill, focused on massive investments in social programs and climate policy, the start of a partisan process that could take months and faces unified Republican opposition. They're just throwing every liberal idea and hope it sticks to the wall. Republicans are attacking the breadth of this. You see that as a virtue. Of course it is. Maybe, just maybe, government should work for working families of the middle class, not just the wealthy and and big campaign contributors. Now that infrastructure bill still has to pass the House before it can get to President Biden's desk. Speaker Pelosi says she won't hold a vote on it until the Senate also passes that other bigger bill. That's a process that could take months. Savannah. All right, Garrett, thank you very much. Lots more to get to on a Wednesday morning as we welcome in Chanel, including that the volatile situation there in Afghanistan. It is. Good morning. The president is now doubling down on his decision to withdraw U.S. troops and end the nation's longest war, even as Taliban fighters seize control of more cities in Afghanistan. NBC's Kelly Kobiea is on the ground in Kabul Forest. Kelly, good morning. Good morning. Well, the Taliban took more territory overnight. Thousands of families are trying to escape the violence, and the fighting has now spread to 24 of the country's 34 provinces. This morning, a small win for Afghan forces. Reports of commandos retaking the provincial capital of Farah, captured just yesterday by the Taliban. But in Kunduz, reports of a devastating setback. The Taliban claims thousands of government troops under siege at the airport have surrendered. Taliban video purports to show vehicles and weapons seized from Afghan soldiers. The militants say they are now firmly in control of the key strategic northern city that is a major commercial hub. The violence escalating just three weeks before American troops complete their final withdrawal from the country. 
Those lucky enough to escape Kunduz say Taliban fighters are terrorizing women and anyone with ties to the government. 28-year-old court clerk Amina Mohammadi told me the Taliban took a woman she worked with captive, set her hair on fire, then killed her. She says the Taliban is taking names of widowed women and girls, forcing them to marry fighters. Mohammadi is one of hundreds living in the open air in this park in Kabul. Most fled with nothing but the clothes on their back. 68-year-old Esmat Ara proudly showed me her teaching certificate, trained by NATO in 2006. She said she's lost her husband, her children, and fears for her grandchildren's lives. All these kids, she told me, don't have a future. The Taliban also targeting Afghans who worked for the U.S. and NATO, like this former Navy SEAL interpreter. We are not safe. We are really in a super danger in Afghanistan. U.S. warplanes are still carrying out limited airstrikes, but President Biden, who ordered American troops out, says it's now up to Afghans to win the war. They've got to fight for themselves, fight for their nation. U.S. Special Envoy Zalmay Khalilzad is in the region pushing for a ceasefire. Here in Afghanistan, some critics accuse him of trying to legitimize the Taliban. All the war in this country belongs to just Khalilzad. The State Department insists a negotiated peace is the only way to end this conflict. But this morning, there's still no sign that the Taliban is ready to talk. Guys? All right. Thanks, Kelly. All right. Let's want to turn back to the weather, the rest of the forecast. we got a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. Let's show you what's happening across the rest of the country. That heat building in the Pacific Northwest. We continue to have that moisture coming up out of the south, causing monsoonal flooding in parts of the southwest. Hot, very humid throughout a wide swath of the south from Texas all the way into the southeast. Severe storms along this cold front will fire up. We'll be watching that later on today. And that is your latest weather. Guys? All right, Al. Thank you. And coming up, a lawyer for the woman now suing Prince Andrew for alleged sexual abuse, opening up about the case in a new interview and delivering a very direct message to the royal, the latest in a live report from Buckingham Palace. Also had this morning a new COVID concern with businesses and colleges reopening, an inside look at the alarm now being sounded over fake vaccination cards, how easy they are to get, and what's being done to stop them from spreading. But first, this is Today on NBC. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. In-laws, love them or hate them, you're pretty much stuck with them. And when you're a ruler in the Middle Ages, that can be a serious problem. It might even land you dead. I'm Dan Jones, and on season four of This Is History, I'm telling the story of England's weirdest king, Henry III. He's in way over his head, and he's surrounded by bloodthirsty relatives with their eyes on his throne. To listen, search This Is History and follow wherever you get your podcasts.
still ahead this morning, the overwhelming show of support for beloved actress Christina Applegate revealing she's now battling MS after beating breast cancer. A lot of questions about MS. We're going to get some answers to the biggest questions that people are asking right now about multiple sclerosis. But first, these messages. We got some folks over there wearing the Olympic rings as well. That's right. Still Excited for Katie Ledecky. We're going to see Katie Ledecky in the flesh in a minute. But let's get to your headlines here at 7:30 and in Greece this morning. Officials say they are doing everything humanly possible to fight hundreds of wildfires there. 20 other nations, including the U.S., have sent in firefighters and engines for support. Nearly 600 fires have ignited across Greece as the country is in the midst of its worst heat wave in four decades. Increasing heat and drought have also fueled massive wildfires this summer in the western U.S. and northern Russia. Meanwhile, in Texas, the ongoing battle over an elections bill is reaching new heights this morning. House Democrats there who refused to show up for the latest special session could soon be detained by police and brought back to the state capitol. The all-Republican Texas Supreme Court on Tuesday voided a judge's temporary restraining order barring their arrests. The Democrats fled the state back in July to block the passage of a Republican bill they say would restrict voting rights. They avoided attending a 30-day legislative session that ended Friday, but Texas Governor Greg Abbott immediately called for a second special session. All right, now to an amazing move in Major League Baseball last night. Trey Turner of the Los Angeles Dodgers is known as one of the game's fastest base runners, and now he may also claim the title of the smoothest. Take a look at this. Turner was on second when teammate Will Smith stepped up to the plate. And a line drive base hit it to right field. Turner's around third, heading for home. The throw by Harper is not in time. He slides Whoa. right in, taps his hand on the plate. Can Trey give us a call? I mean, I mean that, that is so cool. Is that the coolest move ever? Okay, so look at it again. Turner avoids the tag with the slide, nonchalantly taps home plate, and then glides seamlessly back into standing position. That is that is a that's yeah. a pro move Classic right there. Move. By the way, Turner's run helped the Dodgers top the Phillies 5 to nothing, and that's another reason the Nationals should have never let Trey Turner I mean, go. Uh, a lot of people Do you think agree. that's like a move he practiced? I don't like think one you day? practice that. Oh, yeah. And then you see how you just pop right oh, back yeah. up as if it was no big deal? Look good. There you go. We'll practice. All right. Well, meantime, Follett is growing this morning over that new lawsuit filed against Prince Andrew by a woman who for years has accused the royal and the late Jeffrey Epstein of sexual abuse. And while the palace is not commenting, Virginia Jufri's legal team is speaking out. NBC's Molly Hunter-Joyce is now from Buckingham Palace. Molly, good morning. Hey guys, good morning. That's right. Very strong words from her lawyer overnight. We still haven't heard any comment from Prince Andrew's legal team, but we have seen him for the first time since Monday. Take a look. This morning, Prince Andrew is on vacation with the Queen, arriving at her Balmoral Castle with his ex-wife, Sarah Ferguson. But his accuser, Virginia Roberts Jufri, is not letting up. Her high-profile lawyer, David Boyce, turning up the heat. Prince Andrew is going to have to now uh, speak. Um, uh, he can't ignore court process. Uh, he can ignore me. He can ignore my client. He can ignore other uh, victims uh, and their lawyers. But he can't ignore the court. The longtime accuser of late convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein is now suing Prince Andrew in U.S. federal court. 
The lawsuit filed Monday alleges she feared death or physical injury, accusing Prince Andrew of touching her in an offensive and sexual manner without her consent, all while knowing that she was a sex trafficking victim when she was 17 years old. And even though the allegations are decades old, her suit is still timely in the state of New York under the Child Victims Act. Whether or not the court has jurisdiction over Prince Andrew is going to be a very hot issue in this case. The plaintiff alleges that Prince Andrew's conduct in New York is the basis for the court exercising jurisdiction over him. But actually serving a defendant with a complaint who lives in the United Kingdom is not that easy to do. Even still, her lawyer is optimistic. The big question, will Prince Andrew be forced to testify in the United States? If he's ordered to appear and doesn't appear, he can be held in contempt. A judge can excuse his appearance um, at court, and a judge might do that in this particular case. Um, however, um, he would still have to give evidence. Um, that would be taken in the form of a, a deposition under oath. Overnight, the palace telling NBC News this is a matter for the Duke of York's legal team. His lawyers declined to comment. Prince Andrew has denied the allegations speaking to the BBC in 2019. I have no recollection of ever meeting this lady. None whatsoever. In the same interview, he suggested this photo at Jelaine Maxwell's house in London was doctored. In a statement, Jufri said she hoped other victims will see that it's possible not to live in silence and fear, but to reclaim one's life by speaking out and demanding justice. Molly, you mentioned one of the challenges in the lawsuit actually getting Prince Andrew to appear in an American court, but also this issue of immunity and whether a royal could even be named in a civil lawsuit like this. Yeah, Savannah, a lot of challenges. Now, we know the queen, for example, is immune from civil lawsuits, but as you go down the line of succession, the immunity doesn't necessarily continue to apply. How far it goes, though, is really going to be up to the court, according to legal experts. Savannah? Right. Molly Hunter at Buckingham Palace. Molly, thank you. When we come back on a Wednesday morning, a new frontier in the battle over COVID vaccines now. We're going to take a closer look at the growing market for fake vaccination cards and how it could all impact our return to work, school, and travel. But first, these messages. Join me, Esther Perel, every Monday in my office on Where Should We Begin? I'm talking to couples and individuals about love and work, about turning conflict into connection. More than ever, our relationships define the quality of our lives. So let's explore the myriad of relational challenges together. See you Monday. Welcome back in this morning on In-Depth Today. A new concern confronting officials and businesses when it comes to monitoring for proof of vaccination. Yeah, that's right. We're talking about the rise of phony cards that are being sold online. With many universities and colleges requiring those vaccination shots now, there are growing reports that some students may be trying to game the system. NBC's Tom Costello has been checking this one out. Tom, what'd you find, buddy? Hey guys, well, as you know, some college students know how to get the fake ID, right? To buy the beer. The concern is now that they're applying that same know-how to get a fake vaccine card. In fact, we've now got warnings from universities and from the FBI. And so now the issue is, well, how do universities police that? There's growing pressure to make sure that this vaccine mandate that some schools are adopting, that they can enforce it and check it. 
This fall, getting back to normal includes college students going back to campus. But with nearly 700 universities and colleges now requiring proof of vaccination, some administrators are worried about a new black market, counterfeit certifications, some going for as much as $200. The students who've spoken with me have been clear that they know exactly how they would get fraudulent vaccine cards and that they know students who have submitted these fraudulent vaccine cards. The University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, one of the schools requiring students to submit their proof of vaccination. As an alternative, some, like UNC, also offer the option for students to undergo regular testing. Junior Simon Palmori says he believes most of his classmates would not upload a fake card, but... It's really distressing to think that students that could be sitting behind me in class could be both unvaccinated and not being tested. UNC tells NBC News it conducts periodic verification of documents and no fraudulent entries have been found so far. It also notes that lying or falsifying documents could result in disciplinary action. But fake vaccination cards have been advertised online, like this Instagram user offering $25 per card and this Telegram account with the tagline, protect yourself from the poisonous COVID-19 vaccines. The FBI used a public service announcement earlier this year to be on the lookout, warning against making or buying a fake card. The unauthorized use of a government agency seal is illegal and it is punishable by a hefty fine and or up to five years in prison. Two airline passengers entering Canada from the U.S. were recently fined nearly $16,000 each for using fake vaccination cards. It all comes as some cities and businesses are implementing their own proof of vaccination requirements for activities like dining indoors, going to gyms, or seeing shows. We're trying to entertain folks. Um, so I'm not saying anybody has to get a vaccine or a negative test, but if you don't, then you don't get to come to the show. But for some in the restaurant industry already hard hit by the pandemic, frustration over having to police their customers' vaccination status. To me, it seems like the government is trying to get around it by having small business do the enforcing that the government should really be doing. Back on campus in Chapel Hill, Professor Chapman is hoping everyone takes the lessons learned from the pandemic to have a safe semester. It means thinking about what those health care providers have gone through over the course of the last 18 months and not wanting to be a part of stressing them further. I mean, Tom, here's the thing. This, this could become quite the hurdle in verifying vaccination status. And based on the cards you just had on your story there, it would seem that they're pretty easy to fake. I mean, look, this looks like a library card, right? I mean, everybody who's got one of these has thought to myself, oh, my goodness, how easy is it to, fa to, to forge this? Uh, and that's the problem. These were not meant to be permanent long-term records. And to underscore the point that the FBI agent made, that if you falsify that logo at the top, that CDC logo, that automatically is a $5,000 fine. Wow. And get this, up to five years in prison just for doing that. So the wow. stakes are high and they're hoping that that alone is a deterrent to tell people, listen, don't do that. Maybe just now. get the vaccine. It's free.
Tom Costello in Bethesda. Tom, thank you. All right, let's head over to Al, get another check of the weather. That's right, we got fires to talk about. There's 113 active fires across, 108 active fires across 13 states, 11 in California alone. The Dixie Fire, largest fire in the U.S. today. It's the second largest fire ever in California. Almost a half million acres burned. It's only about 25% uh, contained. And the smoke forecast, you can see bringing it across into the Rockies. Denver, it's their 37th day with air quality alerts out there. That's crazy stuff. Temperatures out west, another big problem. Look at this Portland triple digits Thursday, Friday. Medford triple digits right through Friday. Same in Fresno and Las Vegas as well. We're not going to see anything really cooling off until sometime next week. Hot and very humid down through the Gulf Coast. Severe storms in the upper Midwest. And that is your latest one. Guys. Wow, thank you. Still ahead, the woman considered by many to be the greatest female swimmer of all time. Yeah. Katie Ledecky. Yeah. Hey now. She is here, here. Yes. And added to her legacy in Tokyo with four more medals this morning. She has made her way here to our plaza to talk about that historic run and what's next for her. Good morning, Katie. The first these messages. Yes, Jones, what's coming up in pop stuff? I'm excited to, to tell you guys today. <laughs> big news for the Beehive, or Bayhive, as some would say. It's coming directly from Beyonce herself, which she's revealing in a rare interview about the new music she's working on. But first, this is Today on NBC.